You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Greg E. Johnson. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Louie. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Louie news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues. Louie! Hello, America and around the world. This is Mario Hernandez, and in our... Lovely after buzz, after buzz boof. I am Phil Svitek, joining Mario Hernandez, and we are here to talk about Louis, uh, the final show of the of, of our season, uh, which, ironically enough, it was the first show of the actual uh, airing for the season. season two. Yes, yes. So uh, uh, Louis will be back for a third season. Uh, he got picked up, and uh, he'll be back in 2012 with that. Oh, don't th- are we getting to news and gossip already? Uh, well, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying this isn't the last show ever. The there news, the news, the news. There we go. That's that's the little lead in. Yeah, it's been a busy week for uh, Louis C.K. Uh, a lot of exciting things happening for him this week. Uh, two major pieces of news. Uh, the first is his comedy album, Hilarious, which is indeed hilarious, uh, has been nominated for a Grammy Award. Which is which is pretty awesome. So uh, pick that up on uh, uh, wherever you pick up uh, CDs and albums. Maybe download them. Um, but in addition to that, GQ has released its uh, Men Men of the Year issue, and uh, the comedian Man of the Year is uh, is Louis C.K. Not surprisingly, he he's number one. He is he is they they select I guess uh, guys from from different areas, and he he's like the comedian of the year. Interesting. All right. Yeah. And uh, a, a, a really nice piece um, penned by um, Joan Rivers, who, of course, was in an episode earlier this season, which Shannon and I talked about a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, she, she writes a little bit, actually, about how she was asked to come onto his show and uh, her experience with him and how he is a true, uh, a true comic, a true, not just a comics comic, but a true mensch, as it were. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to see. Hopefully this will increase, uh, this will raise Louis C.K.'s uh, profile and exposure because um, he's still, I think he's still a bit, um, he's, he's more of a cult comedian or, or as they say, a, a comics comic. Um, he's, he's, it's not a name, his is not a name that's immediately, uh, accessible to the masses. Just no, yeah, I don't think, I mean, this, this has been a really good year for Louie. Um, you know, we, we, we've had numerous people join us for our after show. You know, uh, you came sort of late in the game. Uh, we had Shannon Rogers, we had Gian Molina. Before that we had John Comerford, um, and Steve Bollamy all sharing a passion for Louie. Yeah. And uh, and I mean we we were talking this we were even talking about uh, the Emmys like that's how far back we were still you know doing this show and uh, he's gained a lot of momentum 
Yeah, he really has this past year. I mean, he was he was up for a, uh, he was up for an Emmy. Now he's up for a Grammy. Um, he uh, I actually a third piece of news as I was doing my research right before the show. Um, they have announced that he will be back on um, Parks and Rec. So uh, he will be back in an early uh, 2012 episode. Um, if you'll remember his uh, his uh, character. He uh, played Dave Sanderson, and he left to take a job in San Diego on the show um, in season two. But um, uh, he is now going to be back, according to TVLine.com. Louis C.K. will be back on Parks and Rec. So, um, you know, that's another show that's also that's also gaining popularity and momentum as well. So yeah, things are, things are things are looking really good for Louis C.K. and 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 I couldn't be happier. He's he's a you know he's he's a journeyman comic that deserves every ounce of his success and and he he does it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he writes. He he edits. He directs. And uh, none of it suffers because of it. Right. Right. No. He's he's really he's really uh you know for for those of you out there that don't know this that that uh, I mean. Most of the fans probably of the show do know this, but uh, he, like you said, he does it all. That's that's him. He writes the show. He he got such an incredible deal from FX. Uh, I don't know which. Uh, there's an article that says which executive he linked up with, but they, they believe in him so much that they basically say, okay, here are the deadlines. We need a show delivered then, and they give him money. And 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 for people outside of the television industry, this is. This is unheard of. I mean, this is not something that happens. There's, there are, there, uh, you know, studios generally uh, approve scripts and, uh, you know, standards and practices. They go, you know, line by line. Uh, not to say that they don't uh, uh, go through for his show, but uh, he has such autonomy. He is such, you know, carte blanche to make these shows. And as a result, you know, it's, it's not a show that's by committee. It's his vision. It's his cynicism. Um, it's his... It's his New York worldview because so much of the show I feel is very New York. I mean, uh, we're talking about um, the season premiere of season two called Pregnant, um, which deals with his pregnant uh, sister played by Rusty Schwimmer, um, which is a great name, by the way. And we won't uh, make any jokes because I'm sure she's had plenty of jokes uh, made fun of. But that is a great name, Rusty Schwimmer, like Dave Schwimmer, even though there's no <laughs> relation. But um, she plays his pregnant uh, sister. But even at the top of the show... Um, there's an extended about a minute uh, scene of of Louis making uh, what seems to be some sort of like a like a veal cutlet or or some sort of like a I'm from Texas we call it chicken fried steak down there so I don't know exactly what but um, so he's it's it's this montage of him kind of you know pounding the the meat and then dipping it in the eggs and then um, and it's done to this uh, very hip jazz score. That um, that to me just seems very New York. You know what? What other show has jazz in it? And I've I've mentioned this in previous uh, shows that it reminds me a bit of, of Woody Allen. You know, mm-hmm. with a lot of like montages of New York, and then with the, you know overlaid with jazz. Which I mean, you don't see that. You don't see that in network television. You don't see you see you know pop tunes and uh, and other more familiar stuff. So again that signature that unique louis ck this is definitely his vision yeah and and ironically enough i i think he probably went through like 500 jazz songs to pick out that one specific right right to, to, to get just the right uh just the right tempo um you know his his show his i don't want to say his tentacles but his his influence 
is definitely um, uh, uh, reaching out there. I was listening to NPR earlier this week, and ooh, I forget his name, but it's one of the one of the Broadway stars of <clears throat> some show that I also can't remember right now. Uh, I was kind of playing in the background, but um, he is he played the father in the episode uh, of the first season where Louis gets bullied. I don't know if you remember. He's he's at the diner with a girl. And yes. these teenagers at the other table, and he ends up following the kid home back to Staten Island. And the father in that scene that ends up being this kind of belligerent a-hole that ends up hitting his kid, um, he is now on on Broadway um, in some show. And he was talking about – That's episode nine, and I'll look up the uh, actor. Yeah, whoever, whoever the father is, he, he is now on Broadway in something. Um, and he talked about this kind of – guerrilla style that Louis C.K. was shooting in. And and so, you know, once again, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a small show, obviously. There's no special effects. There's no big musical numbers. There's no... The father's name know. is Abraham Alvarez. Okay. And he is, he is somewhere on Broadway right now doing something, something. And uh, he talked about how it was very just a small crew. Uh, he and uh, Louis told him, you know, here's here's what I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what it's gonna look like. And uh, okay, are you cool with that? Yeah, great. Okay. So now the guy's inside the house. Louis walks away, and he said within minutes there was, you know, a knock at the door. He opens he opens the door like maybe somebody forgot something, and there's there's Louis, camera over his shoulder, ready to go. Yeah. So it's very kind of you know boom 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 visceral uh, TV making. So, I, I mean, quite frankly, this, this is not just the fan in me talking. Um, I, I think we're seeing something very different um, on television through this show. And I, honestly, I think it's only a matter of time uh, before it gets some sort of, <clears throat> of Emmy or, or some sort of award. Um, because what, what, what Louis C.K. is doing is pretty, is, is pretty extraordinary. I mean, I, I, I think by... S- Season three, or um, I think he's going to be lucky enough to have season four and and a, and a five, um, and with that, with more seasons comes more money, and so you know that will help him get the M. It's going to be part and parcel. Right, right, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna get a higher profile, and you know he's gonna he's gonna start, and he casts New York actors. He he casts a lot of locals. He casts um, uh, what seem to be real people, or at least very 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 real looking uh people you know the guys in the delis or the people on the streets um these are these are new york actors so um uh yeah please if if you know obviously if you're listening to this you're probably a fan of the show but uh tell your friends about it because there you know something really extraordinary is happening on tv uh with each episode and uh, i'd hate to have people miss out on it so this episode pregnant um we have a really funny well actually there's there's most of the episodes are broken down into two or three smaller segments. Yeah. So there actually is a little bit at the beginning that is almost completely separate from the title storyline, which is pregnant, which is the, the pregnant sister. And that's this, um, this uh, exchange that he has with his two daughters. And they kind of represent the two ends of the spectrum. And, and we see clips of his stand-up, which he's talked about before, um, which is that the oldest daughter – is the oldest daughter, which in any family is, you know, is the firstborn, um, is generally um, uh, 
well, let's be honest, the, the most favored. I, I, you know, I wonder if my sister's listening because I'm the oldest in my family. But you know, the, with, with the firstborn, you get a lot more, uh, well, not necessarily more freedoms, but uh, there's a bit more expectation of success. By yeah. the second and third, um, that diminishes a little. And sometimes that actually translates to more freedoms that maybe the firstborn didn't have. Um, but generally speaking, I used to work for a man who was, who was very big into birth order. And anytime I talked about someone, he would always ask, where is he in the birth? Where is he or she in the birth order? Because mm-hmm. that would determine the person's personality. And it was like, oh, yeah. if it's a firstborn, that's a certain type of person. You know, if he's the middle of ten, if he's the if he's the tenth, or if it's an only child, like these are these are big things. And it played out most of the time. He he, he was right, but in this case, he talks about how his oldest daughter is you know wonderful and and you know a go getter and 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 does all these things right, and then. But the second daughter, he even has a really funny riff at the beginning um, where he basically, you know, says she's a little shit and how how she drags uh, because she's five years old. And, uh, you know, he's only with the the three of them when he has custody of his kids. Then he has to drag himself down to the skill level of the five year old because they can't go biking along the West Side Highway because the little one is is incapable of that. So um, so there's a funny little bit about uh, 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 pandering to the lowest denominator which in this case is the five-year-old and so then he, then they go into this bit where this this no, scene no, i i feel like uh it, to some degree it's it's very true for uh, fathers and sons even more so rather than you know mothers and daughters or uh fathers and daughters How so? and, and the, the, the classic example is uh basketball you know what i mean like yeah. the, the son always wants to beat the the father at basketball but you know he's not able to do so until he's like at least you know 12 in his teens let's say right and you know the, the the father of course wants to make the, the the kid feel good and so he he has to play down yeah you know what i mean yeah but but it's frustrating like i'm sure uh you know especially in sports as a competitor any father that's trying to teach you know a, a level of sport, sports uh terminology or whatever you know he he wants to play you know what I mean? There's yeah. a competitive side to him, so he's not just going to... And you, you see it played out all the time where you know he starts off slow and easy, and then all of a sudden the competitive nature comes and out. Boom! Yeah, and then <laughs> someone, just the up, yeah, someone just gets yeah. hurt. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, as, as well as the desire to... Uh, "Quote unquote," toughen your kid up. You know, yeah. you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to. You know, the instinct is to not lay up for your kid. It's. It's. You want to engage your kid, give them the best game, have them play their best game. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Sometimes you forget that it's just kids. I. I, I worked at a school once, where. Uh, the, the the teachers we we would we would sometimes play teachers versus students in like kickball or whatever, and there was there was a very clear dividing line between the nurturing adults that understood that, hey, it's just a game, it's for the kids, and then there were the competitive ones. And interestingly enough, uh, there's one teacher in particular, it was a female. She was super competitive, and uh, we kind of had to cover for her because during one of the games of kickball, she ended up throwing and, and popping a kid in the face. I mean, like, you know, the, the rubber balls bouncing off his cheek and, like, had to go to the nurse and everything. We had to, you know, all calm him down and, oh, it's all part of the game or whatever. Some adults, they, they lose sight of that. So, um, so he talks about resenting the fact. But ironically, that some to, kids actually do like that, and some kids do absolutely. They, some kids they want, want the best pushed. game yeah. because they want because they want to beat the kid. They want to beat the adults. Or I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's the age old saying. You know, you, you, to get better, you got to be around people who are better right. than you. Right. They. they and they, so even when you lose, it's it's okay because you're still getting better. You're progressing. Right. right. Yeah. You say that you hear that in 
pretty much everywhere, you know, films and, and plays and stuff. You say, you know, it's, it's you know, Jack Nicholson walks on, he elevates everyone else's game kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, – so – so then he gives his daughter uh, the mango pop as he's putting together the food. Uh, and then, you know, he, he cuts it in a way that all of a sudden he turns and the little one is standing right next to him. And all of a sudden, you know, she's like, and the music stops, right? So it's almost like you, almost like you hear the record scratch yeah. because now the scene has shifted. And she says, I want a mango pop. And he says there was only one. And the little one says, well, you know, why does she get one? And he says, because you're different people. And she doesn't get that, of course. But I mean, for me, it's it's always funny him giving any of these life lessons because you know, I mean, he's so right, and yet, like, how do you explain and, that to yeah, anyone? Yeah, to to a five year old, that's not you know, you you all all she's hearing is no, 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 yeah. no. She's focused on getting the mango pop. She couldn't care less about the life lesson. And frankly, I mean, you do you, obviously you do want to you, you want to impart good lessons at that age and 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 make them you know good good children yeah. and good citizens, but. Ironically, he had the best sort of explanation for it. You know, she 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 was just lucky. You know what I mean? Whereas right. other parents, I think they they would choose their words le- less poorly. Right. And he he actually had it right. He was just so insecure about it. Yeah. And yeah, he just couldn't get out of it. Right. And then ding dong, the bell rings, and uh, his pregnant sister arrives. Um, and they 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 have a little moment, and he, you know you can kind of see a window into the character of Louis family background uh which was this very kind of uh frank uh discussion a lot of lot of you know kind of real talk and and you know oh you know i hated your ex-wife and this and that um and then we get into the crux of the actual show which is uh the false labor or the false you know uh moment which <laughs> once again he 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 does a very interesting thing with it rather than make it about the thing, which ends up being a big joke, of course. Yeah. Um, there is a, uh, a, a pre, a, a subplot mm-hmm. almost with this idea of your neighbors. And once again, we, we, we go back to this idea of it being a very New York thing. Um, my fiance watches a lot of house porn. And uh, these are the shows that are on like HGTV and House Hunters and Selling New York and Selling LA. And uh, we were watching an episode of Selling New York, which is this total, you know, fantasy land uh, show where uh, uh, couples are are looking for. Uh, places to live in New York and so the real estate agent shows them these different places mm-hmm. which you know I say fantasy land because the average New Yorker doesn't doesn't go looking at these places but it's nice to go into these you know huge lofts and you know this is a, and one of the consistent things that happens to anybody who does not live in New York uh, an out of towner an out of towner when they arrive at New York always has trouble assimilating with how on top of each other everyone is. Um, I mean, you would have to come from a place like, um, uh, I don't know, like a, like a Hong Kong or a, 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 maybe a Tokyo, some other really densely populated place to really get what it means to live in New York, where, and especially in Manhattan, where people are literally on top of one another. So in the episode that we were watching, uh, one couple was concerned about the privacy because they had a back, an enclosed backyard in Chelsea, and they literally had, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a backyard surrounded by other buildings, not quite high rises, but buildings. So um, the issue of privacy, the issue of uh, being with your neighbors, it's, if, if, if you're not from there, it's a, it's a little, it's a little unsettling, but people there live on top of one another. People there live with each other. And yet they can be total strangers, as was the case here with Louis and his neighbors. But I, I also think that's sort of universal to to America, almost. You know what I mean? Even the, though even though uh, you, you can live in a suburb, it doesn't really matter where you live. How many of us really know our neighbors? You know, a lot. I, I know shows like Desperate Housewives make it out like everyone's talking to everyone all the time. Well, I think I think that's changing. I think that's a new thing um, because I remember growing up, and I mean, I grew up. I grew up in cities, not not major. I mean, I grew up in San Antonio, and then I lived in Washington D.C. for a while. Um, I think the idea of, um, I think it's two things. One is, I think, and here I'm going to sound like you know an old fogey. I think it's the general erosion of manners in general. Um, people have less good manners than they mm-hmm. did before. Um, and secondly. Um, and this is certainly not a bad thing, but um, the uh, multitude of cultures that live together. So there might be kind of, you know, if people don't speak to one another, don't speak the same language or don't know their customs, some some customs are very warm and open and friendly. Others are more quiet and reserved and insular. Um, that's what I think is happening. But I, I think that's that's changing. That's, that's, that, that's a relatively new phenomenon because if you go back, certainly the perception of America post World War II is that you knew your community, you knew your neighbors, you knew who they were. Um, although, again, I don't know if that's the case in New York. New York is always kind of, but in New York, you can literally, I mean, they, you will literally, I mean, you can live next door to a serial killer who has been hacking up bodies and dragging them in the middle of the night. The thing is, you don't want to know. I mean, people don't, in New York, people don't look at each other, don't look each other in the eyes on the train, on the subway. Yeah. It's just, it's bad manners. So, I mean, literally, I mean, if you hear your neighbor, you know, dragging a body, kaplunk, 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 up the stairs, I mean, you don't want to know. You don't want to know what's going on in your neighbor's apartment. And I think, uh, you know, you speak a good point. I, I think for, in this episode for Louis, you know, uh, sort of uh, Spanish-speaking guy, he, he almost knew too much of the right things to say. Right, you know what I mean, and that's why it kind of it threw off Louis. You know, you this is your only choice. Like, you got to come with me. It's okay, Bob. Um, so How I, great I, would that have been if he actually was like a kidnapper? If he if he totally just sweet talked Louis into handing over his kids, and now yeah, they're gone. But and no. by the by the way, uh, that's I mean, you know, even if okay, so they're your neighbors. That doesn't mean bad stuff's not going to happen. Like right. he still has the ability to beat them while. You know what I mean? So he, yeah. Louis took a big, big risk. Yeah, yeah. No, they uh, – it's – and I thought it was so well written in, in that way in that, you know, because, again, it's it's imparting a big – a bit of a lesson and it's it, it's kind of showing what uh, what can happen when you trust your neighbor. So, again, that's what I mean. Here we were. We thought we knew what we were going to see. We were going to see the, the – the death or the near death of this of this pregnancy and then the show took you know veered widely to the left and it's like that's that's not what the show's about the show is about you know f- fun you know neighbors and being good neighbors and you know whatever you want whatever lesson you want to extrapolate from it but it ends up being about something different and then of course the button ends up being that that it was just gas she wasn't <laughs> dying she was just a big old but fart that had to get out the greatest quote i ever heard I know it was just a fart. I know it was just a fart, but... (laughs) I couldn't do it without you. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to go to a commercial real quick, and then we'll be back to uh, wrap up uh, the final episode of this season's Louie uh, Pregnant here on After Buzz TV. After Buzz TV. Hi. I was once like you. A lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. And, like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag co-workers about it at the water cooler. Then, I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzzTV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzz TV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different aftershows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV aftershows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? And don't forget, folks, what do you want to buzz about? Uh, Make sure you follow all of our shows on After Buzz TV. If it's a popular show, we probably have a show for it. If not, we'd love to hear your suggestions, comments, questions, anything you have, uh, things you would like to see uh, on the show, maybe for the upcoming uh, popular show or, coming up is uh, from Mario Saturday Night Live. That's right. Immediately after this, we're going to start our first ever Saturday Night Live uh, After Buzz TV show um, talking about uh, the SNL episode with Jason Siegel, which was right before Thanksgiving, um, and the Muppets. As well, I don't know if you saw that. that was- I, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to see the Muppets. I was more into Harold and Kumar, making sure I saw that before I saw the Muppets. Yes, I. I yeah, that's a big, big holiday uh, movie. But nevertheless, I mean, uh, you know. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, sorry. The, I mean, the Muppets were on Saturday Night Live. Oh, they were. Yeah, yeah. We'll discuss oh, that on that show. But interesting. Uh, tune in as we talk about Jason Siegel and the Muppets. But I'm saying we're, you know, we're always looking for new shows here and always trying to expand. And um, uh, interestingly enough, SNL has been on, <laughs> I think, but, the longest of, of all the shows. But yeah, uh, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get on that. But um, what about uh, what do you think is going to happen in the third season? Let's do some predictions for the upcoming season of Louie, season three. This is our. There we go. Well, uh, I can definitely predict the good news is, you know, unlike uh, we, we jumped in on Louis late, and then, uh, you know, that's the reason why we kind of we went backwards and tried to do all, you know, the full season. We did some se- episodes from season one, so we'll definitely do the full, full season, you know, starting from episode one. Day one. On time? Yeah. yeah. On time and when it happens? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so that's our first prediction. And that is, is that after Buzz that TV? That is guaranteed. We'll, <laughs> we'll learn how to read a TV schedule. No, it's not that. It's just, uh, you know, we just started late. You yeah, know, no, no, You know what I mean? Like our, our host, uh, you know, decided like, hey, we love Louis so much. You know, yeah. let's do it. And then uh, I thought it was actually a brilliant idea. Like we only did four episodes of Louis. Yeah. You know, uh, can we go back and, and, and do these? Yeah. And so, so I'm glad we did. Yeah, it's been a great, uh, great experience. Um, uh, I don't know, like, I mean, I, I can't. W- his life is just so awkward. 
He, he, I don't know what, what what's more awkward than he's already shown. Well, he's done, he does a beautiful thing by not really necessarily giving us a narrative through line. You know what I mean? It's not like he's been he's not on a quest. He's not. You know, each each episode is almost like its own mini movie, and then, like we said, we have subplots. So it's actually it's it's two or three movies, and each one is kind of his. Uh, almost like an existential crisis of of what of where he is and what he's doing. Am I doing the right thing? Or should I step out of my shell? Should I stop being awkward? Should I man up? Should I? I mean, should I he, work he, out? Should I? You know, he almost has a struggle every day where he just literally wants to make the least amount of decisions possible right. and make the least. And, and by doing so, he he makes the least amount of people uncomfortable un- unhappy whatever it may be yeah you know what i mean he like he i he genuinely hates confrontation yeah he's really not uh you know which which is the 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 essence of life right the essence yeah. of drama so um you know the sky's the limit for where he can go and, and what he can do um i would like to see because he's kind of mined some of his career stuff um uh some family stuff um this is one of the situations, though, where we we almost in a way don't want him to succeed. So I would, you know, I could say, well, he finds love, or he, you know, gets his own sitcom within the sitcom. But I almost feel like uh, the the good thing about him and, and why it is, you know, unlike most other people, he he is kind of self deprecating yeah. and self fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. But unlike other people, you're, I'm I'm still rooting for him, and I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, this is you know, okay, it's self deprecating guy. It's it's in a lovable, sweet way that I've never seen done. Yeah. It's really it's it's you know especially with a lot of uh, certainly like cop shows are, are big proponents of this kind of idea of hyper masculinity of this idea that they're going to go out they're going to take the world here's a guy that's going to be like look I don't know I thought I knew I was in love now I'm divorced I had these kids and now they're turning out to be kind of a pain in the butt it's it's you know I want to be a comic but you know shit I'm you know early forties and 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 playing clubs so there's 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 a lot of vulnerability that you're right that makes him very uh, very appealing yeah. uh, because it, 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 it resonates. I mean, you might not be a divorced comic yourself, but you know, life can, you know, kick you in the ball sometimes. And, 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 and there's always this way. Am I, what am I doing with my life? Am I doing the right thing? Am I a good person? Am I a good person for following the needs of my body? You know, should I be looking for a girl, a, a, a mate, or should I just focus on my kids? Is it, is it still, do I still have time? Is it too late? Did I, so these are all, I mean, just the material is, it's, it's, it's so rich and, and he's got such a unique, wonderful spin on things that, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll pretty much follow him wherever he goes. Yeah. And especially now, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know the, uh, ratings offhand but um you know from season one i remember it was kind of more word of mouth and then when season two hit everyone sort of knew about it through that word of mouth and then now with the emmys with the grant with all the gq now i mean you just threw out all this stuff at me people are gonna watch just people. to say okay you know what is this all about yeah yeah and he's uh he, honestly he's a Grammy win would be huge. I don't know exactly who else is uh, is nominated, but a Grammy win for him would just be uh, amazing. And and that would that of course would do a lot um, for him uh, for the show. So uh, you know we're, we're seeing something again. We're seeing something really unique out there, folks. And if you're if you're a fan, obviously if you're listening to this, tell your friends about it. Go back online. 
uh, you know, get someone. Get, the holiday season is coming up. You know, buy the DVDs and 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 or downloads or whatever it is you do, and um, and and pass them along and and buy them, buy them legally. So yeah, that well, is, get get an iTunes card. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Have them download that and, way and, always... and download it that way because it you know the 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 what's happening with the show does not happen often does not actually doesn't happen ever so you know you if if you really love the show and this is also his like third or fourth show you know they've been trying they've been trying to give him uh, a, a presence on television for the last 10 10 or so years and this mm-hmm. is finally he's found the right home at FX he's found a solid fan base um, you, you know you owe it to yourselves if you're if you if you're really interested in the comedy that's in the tradition of Richard Pryor that's in the tradition of in a way Eddie Murphy as well just kind of you know social satire of people being really vulnerable on stage and talking about the things that keep them up at night um, you know ch- check out Louis C.K. tell all your friends about him buy his CD his Grammy nominated uh, album Hilarious and, uh, and, and, and and really support this guy because he's, he's the real deal he's a, he's, he's a gamer he's been in it and uh, and you know what? He's hysterical. Like, for, forget like what what he deserves and what he where he belongs and whatever. Take a listen to his stuff. Listen to his stand up. He's a hysterical dude. Tune into the show. Come back and see us season three after Buzz TV with Louis. Uh, I'm going to be doing some improv this weekend at the iOS Theater with my group Conrad on Sunday night at the iOS Loft, 10:30. Uh, follow me on Facebook. And uh, and Twitter, Cinemario, C-I-N-E-M-A-R-I-O. But we will see you in uh, Season 3. I am Mario Hernandez, and in the booth... Phil Svitek. And don't forget SNL, and we do a lot of other comedy shows as well, including The League, Community, Parks and Rec, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Hosted by actual comics, and hosted by, and having people call in who are the, you know, the writers and actors on the show. So exactly. right here is, is your hub. We, we, we had Chris Kula call in for, uh, or was in the studio. For community. He was in. He was in studio. He was in studio. So here we go. We got the writers here, folks. So right here is where all the information hovers. This is where. This is the hive. This is where you get the after buzz. Yes, indeed. All right, guys. Thank you for a good season. I want to thank personally Mario Hernandez for. You know, uh, we've had a few few hosts. Not to say. Uh, you know, no, it was. I like how the baton was always passed. It was wonderful, I mean? right? It was a relay race. Was yeah, like, yeah. Now you, now you, now you. <laughs> and, and a shared passion for Louie. And it, it, you know what I mean? It, it's not like anyone quit. It was just the baton was yeah, passed, yeah. which I like. So we'll, cro- we'll cross our fingers and see if we can't get him on the horn <laughs> for season three. Yes, indeed. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later. Buzz you later, folks. One uh, final time before season three. That's right. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.